chapter seventeen of the garys and their friends by frank webb this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter seventeen plotting mr stevens awoke at a very early hour the ensuing morning and quite unceremoniously shook his wife to arouse her also this he accomplished after considerable labour for mrs stevens was much more sleepy than usual in consequence of her husband's restlessness the previous night i declare said she rubbing her eyes i don't get any peace of my life you lie awake kicking about half the night muttering and whispering about no one knows what and then want me to rise before day what are you in such a hurry for this morning no more mysteries i hope oh come jewel get up said her husband impatiently i must be off to my business very early i am overburdened with different things this morning mrs stevens made a very hasty toilette and descended to the kitchen where the little charity girl was bustling about with her eyes only half open with her assistance the breakfast was soon prepared and mr stevens called downstairs he ate rapidly and silently and at the conclusion of his meal put on his hat and wished his amiable spouse an abrupt good morning after leaving his house he did not take the usual course to his office but turned his steps toward the lower part of the city hastening onward he soon left the improved parts of it in his rear and entered in, upon a shabby district the morning was very chilly and as it was yet quite early but few people were stirring they were labourers hurrying to their work milkmen and trundlers of bread-carts at length he stopped at the door of a tavern over which was a large sign bearing the name of whitaker on entering he found two or three forlorn-looking wretches clustering round the stove endeavouring to receive some warmth upon their half-clothed bodies their red and pimpled noses being the only parts about them that did not look cold they stared wonderingly at mr stevens as he entered for a person so respectable as himself in appearance was but seldom seen in that house the boy who attended the bar inquired from behind the counter what he would take mr whitaker if you please blandly replied mr stevens hearing this the boy bolted from the shop and quite alarmed the family by stating that there was a man in the shop who said he wanted to take mr whitaker and he suspected that he was a policeman whitaker who was seldom entirely free from some scrape went through another door to take a survey of the newcomer and on ascertaining who it was entered the room you've quite upset the family we all took you for a constable said he approaching mr stevens who shook hands with him heartily and then laying his arm familiarly on his shoulder rejoined i say whitaker i want about five minutes conversation with you 
haven't you some room where we can be quite private for a little while yes come this way replied he and leading his visitor through the bar they entered a small back room the door of which they locked behind them now whitaker said mr stevens i want you to act the part of a friend by the fellow who got in that awkward scrape at this house as you did not give the evidence you informed me you were possessed of at the coroner's inquest it is unnecessary for you to do so before the magistrate at examination there is no use in hanging the fellow it cannot result in any benefit to yourself it will only attract disagreeable notice to your establishment and possibly may occasion a loss of your license we will be willing to make it worth your while to absent yourself for a short time at least until the trial is over it will put money in your purse and save this poor devil's life besides what do you say to receiving a hundred and fifty and going off for a month or two couldn't think of it mr stevens no how see how my business would suffer everything would be at loose ends i should be obliged to hire a man to take my place and in that case i must calculate upon his stealing at least twenty-five per cent of the receipts and then there is his wages no no that won't do besides i am trying to obtain the nomination for the office of alderman to secure it i must be on the spot nothing like looking out for oneself i am afraid i can't accommodate you squire unless you can offer something better than one hundred and fifty you've got no conscience rejoined mr stevens not a bit well the less of that the better for me it's a thing of very little use in the rum-selling business it interferes with trade so i can't afford to keep a conscience if you really want me to go make me a better offer say two-fifty now begin to think of it the trial will be over in a month or six weeks i suppose and a spree of that length would be very pleasant no i won't do that whitaker that's flat but i'll tell you what i will do i'll make it two hundred and what is more i'll see to your nomination i'm all right down here you know i own the boys in this district and if you'll say you'll put some little matters through for me after you are elected i'll call it a bargain then i'm your man said whitaker extending his hand well then added stevens come to my office this morning and you shall have the money after that i shall expect you to get out of town as quick as possible good-bye so far all right muttered mr stevens with an air of intense satisfaction as he left the house he'll be of great use to me when it becomes necessary to blind the public by a sham investigation he will be the man to conduct it when i want a man released from prison or a little job of that kind done he will do it this act will put him in my power and i am much mistaken if he won't prove of the utmost service in our riot scheme now then we will have an examination of mr mccloskey as soon as they like a few weeks subsequent to the events we have just written we find mr stevens seated in his dingy office in company with the mccloskey who had recently been discharged from custody in default of sufficient evidence being found to warrant his committal for trial he was sitting with his feet upon the stove and was smoking a cigar in the most free and easy manner imaginable so far so good said mr stevens as he laid down the letter he was perusing that simplifies the matter greatly and whatever is to be done towards his removal must be done quickly now that the old man is dead there is but one to deal with during the interval that had elapsed between the interview of mr stevens with whitaker and the period to which we now refer 
mr stevens had been actively engaged in promoting his riot scheme and already several disturbances had occurred in which a number of inoffensive colored people had been injured in their persons and property but this was only a faint indication of what was to follow and as he had through the agency of mr morton and others been able to prevent any but the most garbled statements of these affairs from getting abroad there was but little danger of their operations being interfered with leading articles daily appeared in the public journals particularly those that circulated amongst the lowest classes in which the negroes were denounced in the strongest terms it was averred that their insolence since the commencement of the abolition agitation had become unbearable and from many quarters was suggested the absolute necessity for inflicting some general chastisement to convince them that they were still negroes and to teach them to remain in their proper place in the body politic many of these articles were written by mr stevens and their insertion as editorials procured through the instrumentality of mr morton and his friends mr stevens turned to his visitor and inquired what was done last night much of anything a great deal your honor replied mccloskey a nager or two half killed and one house set on fire and nearly burned up is that all said mr stevens with a well-assumed look of disappointment is that all why you are a miserable set you should have beaten every darkey out of the district by this time they're not so easily bait out they fight like seven divils one of em night before last split mikey dolan's head clean open and it's a small chance of his life he's got to comfort himself wid chances of war chances of war rejoined mr stevens mere trifles when you get used to em you mustn't let that stop you you have a great deal yet to do what you have already accomplished is a very small matter compared with what is expected and what i intend you to do your work has only just begun man just begun replied the astonished mccloskey haven't we been raising the very divil every night for the last week running a near chance of being killed all the time and all for nothing is getting tiresome one don't like to be fighting the nagers all the time for the mere fun of the thing it don't pay for divil a cent have i got for all my trouble and ye said ye would pay well ye remember so i shall said mr stevens when you do something worth paying for the quarter is not accomplished yet i want the place made so hot down there that the niggers can't stay go ahead don't give them any rest i'll protect you from the consequences whatever they be i've great things in store for you continued he moving nearer and speaking in a confidential tone how should you like to return to ireland a moneyed man i should like it well enough to be sure but where's the money to come from squire oh there's money enough to be had if you have the courage to earn it i'm willing enough to earn an honest penny but i don't like risking me neck for it squire it's clear ye'll not be after giving me a dale of money without being sure of having the worth out of, of it out of me and it's dirty work enough i've done without the doing of any more me conscience is a sore trouble to me about the other job be the powers i'm out of that and divil alike scrape will i get in again with my own consent your conscience has become troublesome very suddenly rejoined mr stevens with a look of angry scorn it's strange it don't appear to have troubled you in the least during the last few weeks whilst you have been knocking niggers on the head so freely well i'm tired of that work interrupted mccloskey and what's more i'll soon be lavin of it all 
we'll see about that said mr stevens you're a pretty fellow now ain't you grateful to fairy here i've been successful in getting you out of a hanging scrape and require a trifling service in return and you retire you'll find this trifling won't do with me continued mr stevens great sternness of manner you shall do as i wish you are in my power i need your services and i will have them make up your mind to that mccloskey was somewhat staggered at this bold declaration from mr stevens but he soon assumed his former assured manner and replied i'd like to know how i'm in your power as far as this riot business is concerned you're as deep in the mud as i'm in the mire as for the other be st patrick i'm clean out of that they don't try a man twice for the same thing don't halloo so loud my fine fellow sneeringly rejoined mr stevens you are not entirely out of the wood yet you are by no means as safe as you imagine you haven't been tried yet you have only been examined before a magistrate they lack sufficient evidence to commit you for trial that evidence i can produce at any time so remember if you please you have not been tried yet when you have been and acquitted be kind enough to let me know will you mr stevens stood for a few moments silently regarding the change his language had brought over the now crestfallen mccloskey he then continued don't think you can escape me i'll have a thousand eyes upon you no one ever escapes me that i wish to retain do as i require and i'll promote your interest in every possible way and protect you but waver or hold back and i'll hang you as unhesitatingly as if you were a dog this threat was given in a tone that left no doubt on the mind of the hearer but that mr stevens would carry out his expressed intention and the reflections thereby engendered by no means added to the comfort or sense of security the mccloskey had flattered himself he was in future to enjoy he therefore began to discover the bad policy of offending one who might prove so formidable an enemy of incensing one who had it in his power to retaliate by such terrible measures he therefore turned to mr stevens with a somewhat humbled manner and said you needn't get so mad squire sure it's but natural that a man shouldn't want to get any deeper in the mire than he can help and i've enough on my hands now to make them too red to look at wid comfort sure it's not a shade deeper you'd have em he asked looking inquiringly at mr stevens who was compelled to turn away his face for a moment to hide his agitation at last he mastered his countenance and in as cool a tone as he could assume replied oh a little more on them will be scarcely a perceptible addition you know the old adage in for a penny in for a pound you need have no fear said he lowering his voice almost to a whisper it can be done in a crowd and at night no one will notice it i don't know about that squire in a crowd some one will be sure to notice it it's too dangerous i can't do it tut tut man don't talk like a fool i tell you there is no danger you in company with a mob of others are to attack this man's house when he makes his appearance as he will be sure to do shoot him down good god squire said mccloskey his face growing pale at the prospect of what was required of him you talk of murder as if it was mere play and still i've never murdered any one rejoined mr stevens significantly come come put your scruples in your pocket and make up your mind to go through with it like a man when the thing is done you shall have five thousand dollars in hard cash and you can go with it where you please now what do you think of that ah squire the money's a great temptation but it's an awful job no worse than you did for nothing replied mr stevens but that was in a fair fight and in hot blood it isn't like planning to kill a man squire do you call it a fair fight when you steal up behind a man and break his skull with a slung shot asked mr stevens mccloskey was unable to answer this and sat moodily regarding his tempter 
come make up your mind to it you might as well resumed mr stevens in a coaxing tone ye seem bent on not giving it up and i suppose i'll have to do it replied mccloskey reluctantly but what has the man done to ye squire that you're so down upon him oh he is one of those infernal abolitionists and one of the very worst kind he lives with a nigger woman and what is more he is married to her married to a nigger exclaimed mccloskey it's a quare taste the animal has but you're not after killing him for that there's something more behind it's not for having a black wife instead of a white one you'd be after murthering him you'll get no stuff like that down me no it is not for that alone i acknowledge rejoined mr stevens with considerable embarrassment he insulted me some time ago and i want to be revenged upon him it's a dear job to insult you at that rate squire but where does he live in my neighbourhood in fact next door to me replied mr stevens with an averted face howly mother not away up there sure it's crazy ye are what away up there in the city limits why they would have the police and the soldiers after our heels in less than no time sure you're out of your senses to have me go up there with a mob no no there's too much risk i can't try that i tell you there shall be no risk impatiently replied mr stevens it's not to be done to-night nor to-morrow night and when i say do it you shall do it and as safely there as anywhere only come to the conclusion that a thing must be done and it is half finished already you have only to make up your mind that you will accomplish a design in spite of obstacles and what you once thought to be insurmountable difficulties will prove mere straws in your path but we are wasting time i have determined you shall do it and i hope you now know me well enough to be convinced that it is your best policy to be as obliging as possible you had better go now and be prepared to meet me to-night at whittakar's after the door closed upon the retreating form of mccloskey the careless expression that mr stevens's countenance had worn during the conversation gave place to one full of anxiety and apprehension and he shuddered as he contemplated the fearful length to which he was proceeding if i fail said he pshaw i'll not fail i must not fail for failure is worse than ruin but cool cool he continued sitting down to his desk those who work nervously do nothing right he sat writing uninterruptedly until quite late in the afternoon when the fading sunlight compelled him to relinquish his pen and prepare for home thrusting the papers into his pocket he hurried toward the newspaper office from which were to emanate as a tutorials the carefully concocted appeals to the passions of the rabble which he had been all the afternoon so busily engaged in preparing End of chapter seventeen